get your Bibles out, and I want you to open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to open up today, we're continuing our series on righteousness, and we're talking about, we've talked about a lot of things. want to encourage you to go back, listen to those messages in this series, outline them, they're perfect material as you lead people to Christ, as you disciple people. They're perfect material for you to lead them in, to help lay a foundation in their lives. Tonight, in the subject of righteousness, we want to specifically talk about a characteristic of a man or a woman of God who walks conscious of who they are in Christ, conscious that they've been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. That characteristic is that they trust God. God completely they trust him oh God I trust you above everything else in my life I know you love me I know you care for me enough you're with me and you're gonna see me through anything that I'll ever face in life you'll see me through to walking in the victory that I have in you now 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 17 is a real foundational scripture in this series. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This word in the Greek, as I've said before, means you're a new creation, a new species, one that's never existed before. It, part of this word, it, it's defined as an original form, which means that you're one of a kind. There's never been another like you. There's not one like you on the earth now, and there never will be one like you that ever lives again. You're one of a kind. A new creature. Old things have passed away. Well, what passed away? Your spirit man that was dead and separated from God has passed away. That old spiritual death, sin nature that you lived in before, in, in your old person that you were, is gone. The old man is gone. The self-centered life is gone. The selfishness in life is gone. And it says here, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Well, what do I mean by that? New on the inside. Man is a three-part being. Man is a spirit. Tony Finley is a spirit. I possess a soul that is comprised of my mind and my will and my emotions. And I live in a body, a physical body. When it talks about death in the Bible... It does not talk about ceasing to exist. God has made man an eternal being. So everyone who's ever lived is still alive today. What happens when a person dies? This word in the Bible is defined as separation. When a person dies physically, they literally, their spirit and soul just separate from their body. And if you're born again, if you're if you've been made new, if you're this new creature, by simply making Jesus the Lord of your life, receiving 
through faith what He's given you by His grace, making Him your Lord and Savior, then what happens the moment your spirit and soul separate from your body, you are in the presence of God in heaven with Him and you'll be with Him forever. But if you don't know Him, if you've never given Him your life, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you'll still live forever. When your spirit, which is dead and separated from God, along with your soul, is separated from your body, you'll go to a place that's called hell. It was never made for man. It was made for Satan and his fallen angels that rebelled against God. God doesn't send anybody to hell. He honors their decision to go there because God made man with a free will. So I want to encourage you tonight, if you're watching this and you have never made the most important decision in your life, I want to encourage you. We're going to give you an opportunity to pray and give your life to God. As a matter of fact, we need to do that right now. There's an anointing to do that wherever you are. I believe there's people watching right now that the Holy Spirit is waking you up and you know you need Jesus and you're sensing that God loves you. I want you to repeat this prayer after me and I'll tell you what, you'll be born again. It'll change your life forever. So repeat this after me wherever you are. You're praying this to God. Say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you lived on this earth, that you died on a cross for me, that you died for my sins, that you took my place. I believe that you rose from the dead and you're now seated in heaven at your Father's right hand. And right now, Lord Jesus, I declare from my mouth what I believe in my heart, that you are Lord of all, and that now you are my Lord. I invite you to come into my heart. Make me new. Lord Jesus, I thank you for saving me. Hallelujah. I rejoice with you. Our whole church family is rejoicing with you right now, and we want to help you. Reach out to the church. Go to our website, faithfamilyomaha.org. Email us, call us, and we'll help you get started in your walk with the Lord. Hallelujah. Getting back to our study on righteousness now, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you jump down a few verses to verse 21, it explains what happened. It says, For he, talking about God the Father, hath made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. 
He was yours and my innocent sin sacrifice. God the Father made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the very righteousness of God in Him. That's what we're talking about tonight. Righteousness is not a covering. Righteousness is a position that you and I have with God. You are His righteous child. Righteousness literally means, and we've went through this before, I want to touch on this again. The literal meaning of the word righteousness means right standing with God. It means to be justified. That word justified means to be declared righteous. This word righteousness literally gives you and I the ability to stand in the presence of our Father without any sense of guilt or inferiority or shame as if sin has never existed in our life. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 17, this is another foundational scripture as part of this study. Romans 5, 17 says this, For if by one man's offense death reign by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. This word reign literally means that God wants you to have full and superior dominion as you walk through life in Christ. Nothing dominates us as Christians. We always go over, never under. Oh, church, we already have the victory. Through righteousness, you, will, you and I are to rule and reign and have full and superior dominion over poverty, over lack of any kind, over fear, over anxiety, over sickness, over disease, over anything of the enemy. For we have been given authority in the name of Jesus and we tread upon the enemy. He's already defeated. Oh, we've received of the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Therefore, we reign in life. Through righteousness, we reign over sickness. We reign over these things. Without righteousness, we cannot reign. In other words, you and I have a right to be healed. We have a right to prosper to be at peace, to have joy. We have a right for these things. Satan will tell you, you look at you, you dirty dog, you, you have no right to this, but you do have a right. You have a right to everything that Jesus provided for you by his grace. Everything. Hallelujah. You have a right to these things, church. If you go down to verse 19, it says this. It explains it. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. When Adam sinned in the garden, and we talked about that in earlier sessions here, 
It brought sin and death into the world, and we were all born into sin. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. But the good news is, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. By the obedience of Jesus, the sinless sin sacrifice, now we can be made the very righteousness of God in Christ simply through faith, through simply believing it. Verse 21 of chapter 5 says this, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Boy, that's a real mouthful, and there is so much revelation in this. This is telling us, this is telling us how it all works. The grace of God, which is the finished work of Christ, it's God doing for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. The grace of God reigns through righteousness unto eternal life, the Zoe life of God. Jesus said this, that I have come, John 10, 10, to give you Zoe life and that more abundantly. How we walk in that is we must know that we've been made the righteousness of God. We must walk conscious that we are the righteousness of God. I am a righteous child of God. I have been justified. I have a position with my heavenly Father. Now, when I know that, everything that God has provided for me by His grace will come into my life and reign and have full and superior dominion. As an example, sickness and disease might be trying to reign in your life, but when you realize you've been redeemed from it because you're righteous, you're a righteous child of God, now you can stand up. And as you believe that and speak the word of God, what happens now is healing. The healing power of God will reign in your mortal body and drive out all that sickness, all the disease. It'll drive out poverty and lack. It'll change your life. It'll change your circumstances. This is what we're talking about. See, example of this is healing is in you. As a child of God, you're already the healed. He's already given you everything that pertained to life and godliness. When were you and I healed? According to the word of God, we were healed 2,000 years ago. Jesus himself, Matthew 8, 17, he bore your sickness and carried your pain. 2,000 years ago, you were healed before you were ever born. So we are the healing. The healed. Healing is in us. But healing, the healing power of God that is a result of the grace of God cannot reign over the sickness in your body unless you believe in your heart and speak out of your mouth that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus my Lord. And that's why we keep talking that. We keep speaking it. In John 17, 17, we have to realize something. John 17, 17 says, Jesus talking, he says, sanctify them. That means 
Purify them, set them apart for my use through thy truth. He's talking to his father. He's praying for us. And then he says this, Father, thy word is truth. Child of God, the word of God is truth. And it will change every fact that's contrary to it in your life now on this planet. Because the word of God, it's forever settled in heaven. Truth. I love the amplified version of this scripture. The amplified version of John 17, 17 says this, sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart for your purposes. Make them holy for your word is truth. See, God is a God of absolutes. The Bible is absolute truth. See, the world says truth is whatever you think it is. Whoever's listening to me right now, realize this, truth is not of this world. Truth is absolute. God's truth is absolute. If God said it, then it is true. And if God said it, it's true, then we should believe it and obey it. If we accept that the Bible is God's word, then we come face to face with a big question. Why don't we choose to believe and obey God's word? So step number one is you need to realize God's word is truth. It's true. In Psalm 119, verse 89, it says this, church. Psalm 119, verse 89. It says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 12, it gives us a description of the word of God. This is not just ink on a page. This is the living word of God. This is Jesus. This is his love letter to you, and it's alive. And as you put it in your heart, and as it's coming out of your mouth, the presence and the power of God <clears throat> comes right on the scene, right where you are. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is quick. This word in the Greek means full of life and power. The words of God are full of life and power. And it says here, they're powerful. This is a different Greek word that means they're active and they're effective. It means that the word of God doesn't deal with symptoms. <clears throat> it will go right to the source of whatever you're facing. You don't even have to know what the source is. The Word does the work. The Word of God is quick and powerful. It says here it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. What is Paul, uh, or I believe Paul is the author of Hebrews, whoever it is, 
What is the Holy Spirit communicating with this phrase? Sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. What's happening now is we're contrasting the inner man and the outer man. I'm telling you, the Word of God will tell you what's you and what's the leading of the Holy Spirit. It'll, 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 help you, it'll help you see things. It goes on to say, the Word of God, and, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. A discerner. This Greek word means discern. It means to see and know. Discernment is another level of seeing. It is seeing with your spirit man. See with your physical eyes, you can see the natural realm, which is subject to change. If you walk by sight, you'll just see things as they seem. But everything you see is subject to change. But everything you see with your spirit is not subject to change. That's why the Word of God tells us we look not at what we can see, but we look at what we can't see. The spiritual truth that we see with our spirit because what we can't see, by His stripes I'm healed. I can't see that, but it's unchangeable and it'll change every, any and all physical ailments that you're facing in your life. It's good news, church. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. In other words, God's Word divides and discerns, and God's Word reveals motives. Oh, we walk by faith, and it's not blind. Faith is not blind. Faith sees very clearly. Or turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 16 and verse 17, talking about the Word of God. I want to fill this in for you. Why? Because we're talking about how the righteous children of God who walk by faith, our characteristic is all of our trust is in Him. I have all of my trust in my God. I don't trust anything else. All of my trust is in Him. That's the characteristic. Well, in order to do that, I'm going to have to trust that he, what He said is absolute truth. All Scripture, it says in verse 16 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says all Scripture, not almost all, it says all is given by inspiration of God. In the Greek language, it would say this, all Scripture has been breathed by God. And it is profitable for doctrine. This Greek word means instruction. The Word of God instructs us on how to live. It's profitable for reproof. In other words, it gives us proof or evidence. What is the evidence that I'm not going to go backwards financially, that I'm going to go forward. The evidence is the Word of God. What's the evidence that whatever sickness and disease might be working in my body, 
What's the evidence that I'm healed? The Word of God. I don't look to a doctor's report to tell me the truth. I look to a doctor's report, and we thank God for doctors. We look to them for the facts. But truth can always supersede the facts. When a doctor says there's no hope, that might be a fact. And thank God that we know these things. But we can grab hold of a truth that by his stripes I'm healed and walk off a deathbed tonight. you got to know that. And that's your right as a child of God. It's given to us, it's profitable for correction. It corrects us. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness. It instructs us on how to walk in our righteousness. As we walk in our righteousness, what happens is the grace of God is able to reign through righteousness unto eternal life. We walk in all the blessings of God. It says here, that, this, that the scripture has been given to us, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect. This word perfect in the Greek literally means complete and it means fresh. God's word keeps everything fresh in your life. Though scripture has been given to us by God so that we would be thoroughly furnished this word furnished in the Greek means thoroughly equipped unto all good works. The word of God equips us. It instructs us. It corrects us. It's our evidence. It's our proof. Isn't that good news? It goes on to say, now this is a big statement. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3 in verse 16. The first half of this verse, I want you to be laser focused on this because this is the key. The Word of God is final say. The Word of God is truth. God watches over His Word to perform it. His Word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It's life to me when I find it. It's medicine to all my flesh. That's the reality of what His Word is. But this is how... I walk in it. Colossians 3.16, the first half of this verse says, let, this, this word means you have to allow this, let or allow the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This word richly means abundantly. It would literally read in the Greek, allow the words of Christ to dwell in you in abundance, in all wisdom. Church, I got to tell you, this is what Satan will test you on. Have you ever noticed you use your authority in the name of Jesus and it's as if he doesn't leave? You know why? Because he's just... Just because he heard the words, he wants to see if the word is really in you richly or if you're just quoting something that you really don't believe. But when the word is in abundance in your life, you speak it. 
and then you stand and you refuse to receive anything less than God's best and you refuse to put up with anything he's doing in your life. We have to let or allow the words of Christ, the anointed word of God, to dwell in us in abundance. Why? So that we can walk in the love of God. So that we can walk by the faith of God. So that we can be led by the Spirit of God. So that we can walk in the strength of God. So that we could be Jesus on this earth. So that we could be His body. So that you can be Jesus in your world, to your spouse, to your children, to your associates, to your co-workers, and to everyone you come in contact with. So, so very important. Church, be excited tonight. We trust God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I feel very stirred right now. I think we need to change some directions. I want to flow a little bit tonight as the Holy Spirit. I've got some scriptures just rolling in my spirit that I want to bring to you about trusting God. How the righteous, what the Word of God says about trusting Him. Let's start in the book of Psalms. I'm going to take you through Psalms, Proverbs, some Old Testament scriptures that are just stirring in me right now. Let's go to the book of Psalms, chapter 18, in verse 2, I believe it is. Let me check here. Psalms chapter 18. We're going we're gonna to start in verse 1. We're going to read verse 1 and 2. The psalmist said, this is a psalm of David. He said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He's my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My buckler, this word buckler in the Hebrew language means he is my shield and he is my protector and the horn of my salvation. This word horn means he's the strength of my salvation and my high tower. Can you see the heart of that? Oh, I believe where you're at right now is being filled your spirit man is being filled with the desire to lay everything down and trust God. God's going to see you through. God is your answer. He's your rock. Let's keep going with this. Go to the 32nd Psalm. Psalm 32 in verse 10. Let's look at this real quick. Psalm chapter 32 and verse 10. Oh, I believe, church, he's speaking to some hearts right now. Receive from the Spirit of God right now. It says in verse 10, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Or in other words, mercy shall surround him. Isn't that amazing? He who trusts in God Tonight, as you trust and rely on God, 
His mercy surrounds you. Let's jump over to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Hallelujah. Psalm 34. Thank you, Jesus. I believe it's just right, just right there. Let's look at verse 7. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 34 and verse 7. Thank you, Jesus. It says, The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear Him and delivers them. The fear of the Lord, this word means those that reverence and honor and respect God above everything else in their life. It says the angel of the Lord encamps round about them and He's there to deliver them. Verse 8 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. you got to taste in order to see that He is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in Him. This word taste in the Hebrew language means perceive, discern, eat, evaluate. He who does that will see that the Lord is good. Look at verse 15 of this same chapter. It says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Do you know, child of God, His eyes are always upon you. You're never alone. His eyes are always upon you. And He loves you. It says here, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. His ears are always open to you. Look at verse 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. This Hebrew word troubles means He delivers them out of all their adversity. He delivers them out of all their distress. He delivers them out of all their anguish. Isn't that powerful? Look at verse 19. It says, many are the afflictions. This word afflictions means the adversity of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Wow! Isn't that amazing? So now go over a couple more chapters. Let's look at Psalm 37. Let's look at verse 3. Boy, these scriptures are just flowing Psalm 37, verse 3 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shall you dwell in the land and verily or most assuredly thou shalt be fed. This word fed means you'll be pastored. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Being fed means there won't be any, anything that you'll need in your life. This is dealing with your needs. Verse 4, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Isn't that powerful? As you trust God, He does it. Church, we rest. We walk by faith, which is a walk of rest. 
and we honor God and love Him and fix our eyes on Him, and He adds everything to our life. Let's go to, let's go to Psalm 55. Psalm chapter 55. In verse 22. Psalm 55, 22. It says, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. Are you burdened tonight with anything? The Bible says, cast it on Him. In the New Testament, it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God by casting the whole of your care upon Him because He cares for you. Church, if you're carrying those burdens and cares, He can't. But if you'll give Him every one of those burdens and cares, He will sustain you. Wow. Look at this. It says, He shall never, never suffer. This word means allow. He shall never allow the righteous to be moved. See, if you want to move, God has to allow that because He gave you a will. But He will never allow you to be moved. That means nothing ever can come against you and move you. That's why Isaiah 54, 17, it says, in righteousness you shall be established. That word established literally means fixed and immovable. Why? Because God will never allow you to be moved. No virus can move you. Not being able to have income from your job, that can't move you. No sickness, no disease, no pain, nothing can move you. He won't allow the righteous to be moved. Let's go to Psalm 56. In verse 3, it says this in verse 3 and verse 4. It says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. Notice, trust and his word are always together. Trusting God is trusting his word. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. See, you can't separate God from His Word. It says, In God I will praise His Word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. Isn't that good news? Let's run over to chapter 64 in verse 10. Chapter 64 of the book of Psalms in verse 10. It says this, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in Him and all the upright in heart shall glory. Wow. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in Him. Tonight you can trust in church. Now let's go, jump a little further as we're, as we're kind of coming down towards the end of this now. Go, go, let's look at the 118th Psalm right now. Psalm 118, and I'll tell you the verse when I get there. Psalm chapter 118, hallelujah. Psalm 118, I believe it's verse 5 or 6. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, we're just going to read this. Psalm 119, or 118, verse 5. I called upon the Lord in distress, and the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. That means a place of freedom. Verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? See, in other words, if God's on your side, man can't do anything to you. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. Look at this, verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Now we can't come this close. Oh, this scripture jumped out of my spirit in the Wednesday night service. It's jumping out of my spirit again. Go to the 125th Psalm. In verse 1, Psalm 125, verse 1, it says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abides forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about. Again, you're surrounded. Is round about them. Round about his people from henceforth, even forever. Let's go to the 146th Psalm, towards the end of the book of Psalms. Psalm 146, hallelujah. We're going to look at verse 8. Psalm 146 and verse 8, it says this. The Lord opened the eyes of the blind the Lord raised them that are bowed down. The Lord, look at this, loves the righteous. Isn't that amazing? God loves you tonight. He loves you with all of His heart. Hallelujah. As we keep going to the right here, let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. You know this scripture, verse 5. Look at this. Feel the heart of this. I believe there's people watching right now that are putting all of their trust in the Lord and they're receiving their healing right now. I say by the Spirit of God, be healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God loves you so much. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not, don't rely on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Notice it all begins with you trusting in Him, the righteous child of God, who's conscious that they've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, will trust Him. Let's jump down to Proverbs chapter 11. And look at, look at verse 8. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 8. Look at this. This is so good. The righteous is delivered out of trouble. The righteous is delivered. Are you in trouble tonight? God is a deliverer. He delivers the righteous. 
Let's jump over to Proverbs 18. Hallelujah. Oh, the Word of God is so rich. Proverbs chapter 18 in verse 10. Hallelujah. Church, we're coming to the end right now. Hear these words. This is a scripture in the next one. I, I feel there's Isaiah 26 coming up in me. These two scriptures are going to seal the deal for you tonight. This is a night that if you're not, if all your trust is not in God, it will be. There's a grace. Fear's being dispelled. You're going to a new place spiritually. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 18 in verse 10 says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. I love this. This word strong tower, it literally means a watchtower. You know what else it means? It means a pulpit. The name of the Lord is your pulpit. It's your strong tower. As you are receiving strength, it's coming to you through, from God, through your pastor, from the pulpit, it's strengthening you right now. This is what it's talking about. The name of the Lord. This is why we preach Jesus. We preach the same thing, Jesus, the word of God. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. Hallelujah. The righteous run into it and they're safe. Now, in closing tonight, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. We're going to look at verse 3. Isaiah 26. I believe we're going to look at verse 3 and 4. Such a precious scripture. Isaiah chapter 26 in verse 3. Hallelujah. It says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. This means perfect shalom. Wow. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. This word stayed literally means to lean into, to take hold of. God is saying, this right here is a key to get all stress out of your life, to get all fear out of your life. The Bible is instructing us. He's identifying that trusting God is simply this. It's keeping your mind on Him. The Bible says that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Look at verse 4. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Wow. In the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. This word strength it not only means strength, it literally means he's an everlasting refuge. Hallelujah. In other words, God, God's word is a seed 
that keeps us at rest.